Hey, you guys. It is, I guess we're doing this Thursday show now, and it's just kind of Waterboy unplugged here. That's it. It's just me. Not Knox, not Pastor Toby. I'm going to get them all in trouble. That's my job. Thank you for joining us. Uh, as we get into this new year, one of the things we want to do is uh, actually kind of fill out the week and produce content uh, other, other days of the week. So I hope to be doing uh, a show every Thursday live here at uh, 4 p.m. And, of course, it'll drop into our podcast also. And then we're going to actually Knox, Chuck Knox. We actually hope to get uh, Chuck Knox unplugged on uh, Tuesday, hopefully, uh, here probably by the end of the month. He'll start. He'll, we hope to have him start a show on Tuesday and everything. So thank you. Thank you for joining us. And, of course, as you guys know, uh, we, we obviously um, appreciate our club members. You guys have been fantastic. It's been a great unifying factor for us and a great source of support for us. So if you guys can uh, – if you haven't joined our club, please join our club with all the cancel culture, with everything that's going on. Uh, we really encourage you to find, you know, to kind of keep this kind of a shameless plug. We encourage you to find a Christian media organization to support them, get behind them, get your resources behind them, uh, so we can bring the Lordship of Christ in every area of our lives. And of course, I, I always mention the Discern guys and Babylon B guys. They're, um, uh, we we obviously would love you guys to support them. If you don't want to support us, find a good Christian company that's producing godly Christian uh, worldview and news uh, for you. So. Uh, join our club. You go to fightlifefeast.com. And of course, we are also going to be in South Dakota, October, uh, October. I said South Dakota, October, South Dakota, April 29th through May 1st. We got our first Fight Life Feast rally there. I'm so excited for, for this and what we have going on. And, and part of the, part of the reason is, um, is because we got a, a really unique lineup, uh, happening. We got Steve Dace, who's going to be coming and speaking. We have, uh, of course, Pastor Wilson, Pastor Toby. All, all of them are going to be there. Uh, ben, President Ben Merkel, NSA. And the topic is Love God, Sing Psalms, Defy Tyrants. That's really a, I think uh, we really need a theology of what it looks like to be faithful citizens during the midst of crisis and faithful citizens when our civil rulers are maybe a challenge to us and um, everything from just being able to uh, live our religious freedoms out, but also our constitutional freedoms out, which is obviously a problem across the nation. So, uh, uh, you can go to fightlifefeast.com uh, to follow the conference uh, links and everything. And, of course, all club members, you guys get $100 off. Uh, just email us at contact at fightlifefeast.com, and I'll send you your, your discount codes. And it's a club member and a spouse or a friend, so we actually give you $100, $200 off. So you're really um, losing out. You're, you're losing money if you don't become a club member. That's what I'm trying to say. You're losing money. So uh, I have with me today uh, Senator Heather Scott on the show. And one of the, one of the things that um, as we kind of sort through all the constitutional crisis and COVID crisis that we experienced this last year, well, what should your state be doing moving forward? What should your, how, what should your state be doing this year? What should your legislators doing uh, to maybe restrict some of the governor's overreach that they've had? Of course, we've had this significantly here in Idaho and so I wanted to bring Heather Scott in to kind of get an update on what's going on on in Idaho, but also to give you maybe some some tools uh, and some things to do in your home state, uh, wherever you are, except for South Dakota. Sorry, South Dakota, the show is probably not going to help you at all. Uh, I apologize for that. So hopefully uh, this this will be some big help. Heather's actually been on the show before. You guys probably, some of you guys have, have seen her, um, but she's actually um, down in Boise right now and in between uh, meetings and everything, she's be able to hop on. So uh, Heather, if if your volume's on and everything, and you you can hear me, uh, uh, welcome to my Thursday show. 
Thank you. Um, it's an honor to be on your first one. Um, and I will just let you know I'm not a senator. I am a representative. Sorry. So I knew that. Minor details. Yep. Details. Yep, I knew that. <laughs> well, and and so uh, obviously what happened? What's happened this last year in Idaho? The our governor on March 25th declared a state of emergency and started to shut things down. And then I think on May 1st started to do this kind of tiered opening uh, here in Idaho. But in um, Idaho, the governor only has can only declare a state of emergency for 30 days. But what's been happening is he declares a state of emergency 30 days and then renews it another 30 days. And apparently he can kind of do, just do that indefinitely. Um, uh, maybe give a little bit of summary of what happened this last year. Legislators, legislators were not able to call themselves back in session because our state's a little unique that way. You know, Kind of maybe paint a little picture of what happened, and then let's talk about current legislative session. So there's there was a lot of debate. Could uh, we call ourselves back into session or can we not call ourselves back into session? And many of us thought we could. Others thought we couldn't. Um, unfortunately, it's the attorney general's uh, department, which is part of the executive branch, that basically said, no, you can't call yourselves back into session. So that was kind of hard because many of us wanted to get back in, deal with the emergency, a lot of money was being appropriated, right. and that um, the governor was way outside of his boundaries and way outside of the 60-day limit for emergencies. So that's all debatable. Uh, we probably had the opportunity to sue him as a legislature. We did not. Um, we did not pursue that, which probably didn't waste the taxpayer dollars. But what happened is um, an extraordinary session was called by the governor halfway through. Um, Maybe that was in, in August. August. Yep. August. And at that point, we tried to end the emergency. And the House passed a resolution to end the emergency. And the Senate would not um, would not comply. They said, well, it's unconstitutional for us to do this. So they had a justification why they did not believe we could do it. Excuse me one minute. Yes. Grab a drink of water. Well, I think uh, while, you're, while you're getting a drink of water, um, the reason why the Senate believed it was unconstitutional is because in the state of Idaho, the governor uh, can only, once once uh, uh, the, uh, the session is out, the governor can only call the session back in. And and when the governor calls the session back in, he's allowed to define the, you know, basically the terms of agreement to call a legislative session back in. And he did not give the, uh, any terms to being able to discuss certain issues. So he didn't, he didn't, you know, so that's why the Senate believed it wasn't constitutional is because, well, the governor didn't give us authority to talk about this in this kind of recall legislative session. Does that make sense? And that's what they use for their justification, which is fine. Now we're back in session. First yep. week of session, it started Monday and the house has a resolution to end the emergency. Fantastic. And now the Senate's come up with another issue. So, um, you know, this emergency has been going on for over 300 days and people's livelihoods are being destroyed. Yeah. Um, there's all kinds of, of, of bad things happening. The governor has been appropriating money, which is outside of his authority. There, there's all kinds of actions that are being taken that are not um, in line with how a republic is supposed to work. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so... Um, we have a resolution in the House. I'm hoping to have that on the schedule next week, which is um, kind of why I said I might not be able to make it because I was getting ready to meet with my chairman. Right. But um, hopefully we could pass this resolution through the House and the citizens can put pressure on the Senate and try to end this emergency. Right, right. And, and now so that what, is not before we go there real quick, uh, why is the Senate 
uh, what is the Senate kind of thrown out there? Is like, hey, here, what's the, what's the problem the Senate is saying right now? Well, so they're saying that if we end the emergency and more federal funds be, become available, they will not be able to get those federal funds. Oh my gosh. Which, in my opinion, federal emergency dollars, no emergency. Uh-huh. What do we need the money? For, right. Mm-hmm. So that's um. That's kind of where they're they're using that to justify that money might become available under the Biden administration. And I bet it will. And I bet it'll come right through FEMA. Yeah. And I bet it'll have something to do with vaccinations and yep. all that kind of stuff. So I'm not sure we even care about that. Um, I heard Biden and, was talking about possibly point di- being. Go ahead. I, I was going to say I heard Biden was talking about a possibility of it being like a two trillion dollar. Uh, a package that he's talking about, and of course, more money, uh, sixteen hundred dollars, or uh, maybe up to two thousand dollars per person, kind of stuff, and all that stuff. So, yeah, that uh, that is um, very disappointing that that the uh, the Senate is objecting on grounds of money and not on a real emergency. So this would not stop any of the money we're currently getting, or or the money for the the, the CARES money. What this is going to do is going to end the emergency. So if if there's more a bigger pot available under the Biden administration, we have to remember all this money comes with strings attached, yep. every bit of it. Yep. And I'm guessing that a Republican state with most of the people in the majority of the people in this state being Republican, I'm not sure we're going to want the carrots, you know, the strings yep. attached to the federal money coming out of the feds right now especially especially a democratic administration who we know is going to put all sorts of lgbt social justice ties and so forth to it you bet so that was something we worked on this week and we we got introduced in the house um we've also been given five bills and now i think all five of those are available for review and they were given to us kind of by leadership they've been negotiating back and forth with house and senate and we are told these will rein in the governor's um, controls. And I would encourage your um, the citizens to look at the language because yeah. many of uh, these bills are actually expanding the governor's control and his powers. Wow. And so um, just because something looks good or we want to get it or the messaging is right, we really need to make sure we get this language correct right. and we will not grant more power to the executive branch. Wow. Give me an example so, of what you're talking about. So I'll give you an example. Um, some of the language has been – he, he currently has powers under emergency or extreme emergency, and now we've got this new term of peril or extreme peril. Now, peril is perceived emergencies. Uh-huh. It's not um, It's not a real – like global warming could be a peril. peril. Yep. A peril. So and maybe there's a bunch of money – going to become available from the federal government for um, global warming issues. And Idaho, you know, this this soft language in here is going to be a problem. So because our governor um, could say, oh, it's a, it's an extreme peril or it's peril. And we, we I'm going to declare an emergency for climate issues. Mm-hmm. And then he'll justify that to get the money with the strings attached to change our state of Idaho. Right. Why is I mean, why does even that language need to be necessary when we you know have emergency uh, health orders already available or some sort of tech terminology already like that available? Um, so we don't write all our own bills. There's an agency here that writes the bills for us, and people get in this bad language 
for a reason. They're probably working. My, I've, it's gone around here that maybe the executive branch wrote some of this. I don't wow. know if that's true, but it wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me one bit if, if the executive branch was involved in these drafts right. because it is expanding his power. Right. And so when your legislators tell you that, oh, we've got this passed and we're going to rein him in, you know, if you follow me or you sign up for my newsletters, you can, you'll know, hey, he, they left this word in, they left this word in, is expanding right. the governor's powers. Right. Um, I'm going to address something else, too. Um, the The health districts, you know, these health districts are putting out all these mask mandates and all, all these rules or or what have you, and, and they're unconstitutional. Okay, yep. they're they're a violation of your rights, and and then they're giving fees and fines, and I think you guys have had a little experience in that in your area, yeah. have you not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so these are um, these regional health districts are taking their direction from our executive branch, right. but they are separate entity. It's a regional government um, making these decisions, and and so. That's a whole nother. That's a whole nother thing, and we're hoping to have some bills to rein in the health districts, right. um, because that that is a huge problem because they they're unaccountable to uh, as elected officials. Right. Some of them don't even have elected officials on them. But if you understand regional government at all, it, it's it's a region around, and and right. you're you cannot no recourse if you don't like what they're doing. You can't vote them out of office. Mm -hmm. What are uh, this brings me to um uh you know uh, my case just got dismissed this past week uh here in, in Moscow. Yeah, you know, praise God um that they recognized my constitutional rights and the judge recognized that I was falsely arrested and they dismissed my case. Uh but now our council is looking to um remove the constitutional exemptions that were built into the resolution uh and then also expand the powers of the mayor. For all sorts of, I mean, it's like, like the expansion is just really crazy. It's like the the mayor can now um, almost have some form of unlimited powers under this ordinance, like curfews and uh, you know, uh, quarantining the town, not just the location, you know, uh, and not letting people leave the town or not letting people come in the town. I mean, it's it's really maddening. And uh, is there anything that our legislative session is doing to also tighten up what? the city councils have been doing beyond the health districts. I understand the health district issue and I, I don't even know why we have health districts in the first place, but is there anything that the council or legislator se session is doing regarding kind of our local um, cities who've been tripping on power? There was something you don't want to hear, but elections have consequences oh. and you guys have elected people and put them in office that are tyrants that, yeah. that are trying to violate your rights mm -hmm. and, and you're bowing down just to not, deal with the hassle, right? right? And so number one right now, um, we, so we're dealing with some things. I don't know how much we're really going to be able to do in the city because when they pass an ordinance, you remember your mayor um, picks their own police chief and their yeah. own enforcement officers yeah. and code enforcers. So they can write any any law that, that you guys allow your city council to vote yes on. Right. And so it is critical you go to these city council meetings and you speak out and you hold these people accountable for violating your rights. You need to identify them and then you need to remove them for office in the next election. Right. And, and it, it's critical that, that that's done. 
um, everyone wants to focus federally and we're doomed and, and things don't look real um, exciting on the federal level. But that being said, don't lose focus of your local. You can't even keep your, your local people in control. Why are you even worried about the federal government? Right. If you have a prosecutor that is going to enforce unconstitutional edicts, that's a problem. Right. Uh, if you have a sheriff that's going to allow it, that's a problem. Those people need to be replaced. You, you should be working on candidates today to replace people that are not working for you, the citizens, right. and that are not, you know, they're violating your rights. That's a little difficult for our town. We're highly liberal, which is, which is why we've had so many, so many problems. Uh, one of the, it's been really encouraging your um, your sheriff is uh is it Sheriff Wheeler your sheriff? Yes, it is. He's he's been fantastic up north. Yes. And how he's handled this, and then just recently the new Kootenai County Sheriff. Do you know anything about him? He came out with a statement just like right out the gate because uh, he's elected and and sworn in in January, and came out right out the gate um, just with a great letter to the public. Yes, they they are great up there, and and let's not forget the prosecutors because. If they, if they refuse to enforce this, and I can see where a city prosecutor who's working for a liberal mayor may say, well, you know, I'm going to enforce this. So, so they're going to, they, and, and they can be fired because they're hired, but your county prosecutors are elected. Mm -hmm. And so you, you want to make sure that you talk, th that position is so critical. County prosecutor. And okay. It, it's huge. Yeah. And and um, so you really want to understand, you want to sit down and see if they even know. Most prosecutors don't even know. They don't work for the county. They work for the attorney general in this state. Uh -huh. And so there's there's just all kinds. This didn't get here overnight like this. There's all kinds of problems in government. We've kind of been asleep at the wheel. Right. And it's the 11th hour. Um, we, we have to do everything we can to avoid conflict. We have right. to do everything we can do to to afford, you know, to to avoid any more problems with um, because they're not going to stop. This right. is not going to stop. <laughs> right. Well, and, and before before I let you go here, Heather, because I know you're you're trying to track down your chair. Um, I want to remind everybody this is our first my first Thursday show that I'm going to be doing, and every every Thursday at four o'clock, Lord willing, keep it tight at four. Uh, I'll be doing kind of, uh, some sort of Thursday live with Waterboy. We aren't quite sure even what we're going to call it moving forward, but um, uh, you can ask me some questions in the check box in the chat box here on YouTube. Make sure you guys share the show. Um, uh, when I let Heather drop off here, I'll, I'll answer some questions and then I'll close out close out the show um, uh, and everything. So, uh, Heather, when you're down there in Boise, uh, what is helpful from your constituents as you're trying to you're reading all these you know, uh, documents, you're, you're in session, you know, eight, 10, 12 hours a day for next, you know, month and a half, two months. Uh, what's helpful from your constituents when you're down there? So I think the first thing is, um, know who your legislators are, know who your two reps and your Senator mm -hmm. are, mm -hmm. because they're the ones that, that are supposed to be working for you. I get a lot of calls that say, you know, you represent me. I appreciate you. And then they call and tell me their problems and want me to run their bills. And I'd love to, except right. I've got 130 phone messages on my my office phone. Wow. I've got 40 on my cell phone and I might be able to call back three or four. And that's if I'm not working on this bad language that uh -huh. has been 
ramrodded down our our throats. Uh So um, I think to build those relationships when they're not in session is critical. We're out of session like by the end of March, so April, all summer. Get to know your legislators. If you go to my site, repheatherscott.com, one of my last newsletters is 110 things you can do to make a difference in Idaho. Mm. It will give you a ton of things that you can do if if you, um, you know, in ways to engage with your legislators. So um, your legislator might rather have phone calls or emails. Mm -hmm. Um, Some might want text. Some might want in person. I don't know what your legislators are, but you need to get to know them and know what works best to communicate back and forth. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you this. No legislators like to be um, in the news in a negative light. And so that's something to keep in mind when they're voting wrong or they're voting against you, the people. um, Any way you can get that message out or share it or or communicate that with others. That's a good way to keep you keep them in line. Right. Hold them accountable and keep them in check. And challenge them. I mean, challenge them. So do you have any do you have any staff to help you process all these emails and no messages? We have one secretary for like 10 people. And um, they just kind of like help us get pencils and, you know, they, they do some scanning and some minor office work. But no, they they um, they do not like us to have time, I don't think. Oh, so, really? <laughs> well, it's easier for the establishment and the good old boys to kind of run their show if you yeah. can barely keep your head above water. Because right. if I answered my phone calls, right. I'd miss this bad language. Right. And I found it and I'm going to skip my calls and I'm going to deal with the bad language to try to fix it. And Uh, it still might not get fixed. So it'd help if the citizens could, could listen to the good legislators and then share our information and put pressure on the ones, the ones that need to fall, you know, understand it. Right. What, um, can you have any interns in your office? Can you have any, uh, you know, volunteer (laughs) staff? What are you allowed to do there? Um, so we can have volunteers, absolutely. Um, interns, they, they send them from Boise State, and then some of the interns, they end up running against the people they're working for. Um, so um, that happened in the past with one. So I, you know, they're college kids, but you know what's coming out of our colleges these days. I'm just saying you can't get any interns from your own district. Well, they'd have to, they'd have to come down here. They'd have to rent a place. They don't give me, I get paid $250 a week. So I can't plus my per diem to to rent a, a over a thousand dollar apartment and pay for my food. Right. So I mean I don't have the money to hire them or to pay. They'd have to come down and and be able to get an apartment, get themselves to work. So it's it's tough. Right. Um, they don't give us any funding to do that, but they will take taxpayer dollars and they'll send it to these nonprofits that are basically taking your taxpayer monies and pushing global agendas right, and right. and the great reset agendas on our state. But can't and legis- that's the direct reflection of leadership. Yeah, but can't legislators fix that? I mean, you guys are basically control the purse. <laughs> couldn't you couldn't you vote in a little more budget for legislators to be able to maybe hire staff to help you guys through this whole process? <laughs> if if I were the majority down here, absolutely. Yeah. But it's it's basically fall in line and we'll let you get your bill passed. Right. You right. know, there's there's a lot of little things like that that go on. Um, do this for me and we'll get you this. Right. Um, it's, it's amazing that like you're fighting 
an executive branch, which is basically it's hired full time. I mean, Brad Little's a full time governor. You know, legislators, you guys are in session for two, two and a half months out of the year, unless you get called back into some sort of special session. You might serve on a couple of committees, um, but that's that's it, and you're done. And so you're fighting this bureaucracy, really, this government bureaucracy, mm-hmm. where they're in session full time throughout the year, and then you walk in in January, and it's like, well, what do you, you know, uh, and, yep. you, you got so much time. <laughs> I've never thought about and, that. Yeah, and, and it's that's why the, the missing piece here is the citizens. Um, the citizens that follow the executive branch, that follow the money, that that can that can bring these problems up to their legislators and say, I want you to stop giving money to this organization that's lobbying against the people. Mm-hmm. And and I'll tell you something else, um, Gabe, this does not just happen at a state level. Your counties are in the Idaho Association of Counties. I think they pay thirty or sixty thousand dollars a year, maybe even more, to be a part of this club that comes down here and lobbies. Um, I would say many times against the citizens' wishes in favor of the county government. Wow. You got the Idaho Association of Cities doing the same thing. You got the Idaho Association of County Clerks, Idaho Association of Sheriffs, Idaho Association of Mayors. I could go down the list. There's hundreds and hundreds of them, and it's and it's happening all across the country. It's not just Idaho. It's happening everywhere. Um, our country has been attacked from the inside out, and this is part of that attack. Right. That's that's incredible. Well, he- well, Heather, thanks for um, t- coming on and helping us out, help us understand these things. Um, I'll, of course, we'll be in touch and get you on as, as these things progress. Um, we'll be praying for you, of course. And, uh, you know, stay in touch with any major updates. Okay, thank you. I Don't leave you in a bad mode. Just don't give up. Never <laughs> give up. Thanks. Thanks, Heather. Bye. Bye. All right. I learned some, some new things today on, some, on, on civics. Uh, but I, one of the things that it, I was kind of thinking about in relationship to where we are at today and some of the, you know, I asked Heather at the end of the interview, how, how can, you know, your constituents at home be helping you uh, and what you're doing down in Boise. And it's amazing, like the, the terminology, the, the, uh, the idea of education and, uh, you know, reading through the bills and knowing what's going on and, and just paying attention. You want me to look at that camera, Neil? I'll, I can do it. I can do it. Neil is single, by the way, everybody. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, the idea of just staying on top of, you know, what your legislators are doing, being in communication with them. Uh, our buddy out of Washington, he's not in Washington anymore. I think he's in Texas. Uh, he told me, uh, that one of the things that, citizens one of the basic things that citizens can be doing is just dedicating 10 to 15 minutes to politics every year and that 10 to 15 minutes is you know call your legislators encourage them email them so call them or email them um uh go vote and then uh you know get informed on what's going on you know it takes 10 minutes to get informed on a lot on, on what's going on you know obviously more if you're going to dive deeper into it but to know what these bills are going what bills are going on in this legislative session just take 10 to 15 minutes a year and and the citizens i think would become more informed on on the process of what's going on and be more involved and actually actually have a opportunity to change politics and seattle is a very liberal uh city and uh if uh, my buddy my uh political buddy over in Seattle said if, if 80 to 90% of the churches would just get involved in Seattle, they would overturn uh, the city council. They would actually be able to vote out the city council. And, and in Seattle, one of the city council members ran as an open platform socialist. And so it's, um, oh, Jay, Jay, you want me to slow down? Do I talk fast? 
I don't think I talk that fast. And and so just by the the I think there's this silent majority that's going on across the nation that has been sitting out for a long time in your local areas and in even in Seattle that silent majority could actually overturn a socialist city council in Seattle and Seattle's very liberal. The other thing in relationship to education uh, with kind of, you know, education of getting to know legislative session, education on the bills, uh, ed, you know, knowing your legislators and all that. Um, one of the uh, best ways to overchange our political system is we harp, we harp on this all the time is educate your children and the knowledge and fear of the Lord, get your Christian, get your children in a Christian education institution um, K through K through college, not even not even K through high school anymore. K through college, and that is one of the most basic ways and easiest ways to subvert our current political climate. Uh, we live in Idaho. Idaho is a supposed a very conservative state. Supposedly, uh, we get about sixty five to seventy percent of Idaho votes for a Republican president. So about thirty to thirty five percent vote for a Democrat. That's a, that's a significant gap there. Uh, Idaho is experiencing significant growth from California, Oregon, Washington, all these other surrounding states. A lot of people are moving to Idaho. And about four out of every five people that move to Idaho are actually still voting some sort of conservative, although I think that um, new line, that definition of conservative is probably a little squishy. But still, a lot of conservatives are moving into Idaho. Um, I do believe that uh, if, if we're faithful in Idaho, I think Idaho could be a good state, a good beacon of light, of freedom moving forward. And one of the goals that uh, we need to be working on is, is like Heather said, is you're, uh, you know, getting your local city council uh, that have been voting this way, getting your governor that has been doing these things to vote and overturn them and get them out. Um, so that's, uh, you know, so we got some goals. I can't talk about everything that we're working on here in Idaho, but I got some goals that we're working on. I'm working with lieutenant governor here in Idaho and uh, doing a lot of things statewide, not just locally with uh, some of this silliness. So our as you guys know, I was I was arrested and my case was dismissed. I was arrested on September 25th and my case was uh, dismissed on January 9th, so just a couple of days ago. But now our local city council is looking at um, uh, extending the powers of the resolution that I was falsely arrested under. And they want to give the mayor a significant authority on all this. So, you know, we got elections coming up next year, next November. And, you know, by the grace of God, we'll be able to overturn a lot of what's going on here in Idaho, but we still have a long fight ahead of us. Tomorrow, for our, or excuse me, for our Sunday special, we have a uh, pastor from Canada coming on the show, and that pastor is Trinity Bible Chapel up in Canada, and, and they've received millions and millions of dollars of fines uh, for going back to church. And, and so I hope you guys tune in for that. That should be really good. But the point is is Christians need to be strategizing and thinking of ways, even if it comes with, even if that strategy comes with knowing that you'll get fined or get arrested, or, but we have to start exercising muscles that we are not used to exercising. Uh, as the church, we've not been, we've had it so easy here in the U.S. as the church that we have not exercised uh, muscles um, in uh, civic engagement and civic resistance uh, and, and you know, basic courage, and, and so find ways with your Christian community in your region to learn how to, to figure out where you can engage. Uh, know the calculations you're making, and, and you don't need to pull a home run. You don't need to hit a grand slam. You don't need to, uh, you know, 
um, go out and get arrested like I did. I wasn't planning on it, but you don't need to. You need to figure out where, with your strengths, your gifts, and your abilities, and the community you have backing you, and how you can get engaged, and how you can maybe um, begin to put pressure uh, on on how we can on what you can change in your local area. So, I would really encourage you guys uh, to do that and everything. Um, does anybody have any questions? Let me look at the chat here real quick. Uh, let me let me close with this. We're doing our conference in uh, Rapid City, South Dakota. Uh, we're super excited about it, but the topic I think is so relevant to what's going on. Love God, sing psalms, defy tyrants. And I, 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 the reason, one of the reasons why we chose this topic was because it's so timely, but the other reason was is because Christians don't uh, really have a theology of what it means to defy tyrants. Christians don't have a thought, you know, who... How do we define what a tyrant is? How do we know when to push back? Uh, you know, um, what, what biblically, uh, uh, what's our biblical framework kind of for sorting through a lot of these things? I think uh, because we, we haven't had kind of a theology of, of resistance or a theology of defining tyrants, it's caused a lot of problems in the local church. And that's why we got, you got churches across the nation who still aren't back um, uh, in person worship. We got churches across the nation. I was just down in Texas and, uh, went and visited church, and everybody at the church was wearing a mask, and that church wasn't even really enforcing it. <laughs> the guy and maybe three other people in the congregation were not wearing masks, and the pastor would preach and then get off the stage and not and, and then put on a mask. And, uh, and and so we're just blindly kind of following a lot of these uh, a lot of these edicts or a lot of these measures or ordinances or recommendations. Some states even call them recommendations, and the church still applies it. When we were at our conference in nashville tennessee one of the things i i remember that really stuck out to me was how many people i talked to that conference at that conference who changed churches in the last six months who stopped going to church in the last six months because their church wasn't having church or was leaving their church because they were requiring mask or or just uh odd applications of of what was going on in this crisis and so there's i think there's this huge shift and christians are kind of uh, trying to find like-minded communities, like-minded uh, people to to be able to either just be encouraged uh, or or grow in the Lord with, but also maybe even learn how to fight with. And that was the identifying factor at our conference, and that's why we realized, man, we got to do two events this next year because Christians are scattered, uh, and when you're scattered, you're weak, and when you have no sh- shepherd, you ha- it's hard to uh, muster up courage. And so we we hope kind of some of this extra things that we're doing this year is going to really encourage you and give you uh, an exciting community of believers across the nation to really um, uh, be encouraged by and, 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 and push back with. So, and of course we have these tools, um, uh, physical tools of voting and physical tools of getting engaged and everything, but we know the weapons of our warfare are spiritual and that's why worship and singing Psalms is so important and what we're doing at our conferences and everything. So yes, Veronica, this is live. Uh, everyone, thank you for turning it for tuning in. Uh, make sure you uh, share the show every Thursday at 4 PM. I hope to have uh, some fun stuff for you. So it'll be Waterboy unplugged or Thursday live with Waterboy. We aren't quite sure what we're going to call it, uh, but I hope to see you guys every Thursday here at 4 PM. And of course this audio will be dropping on our podcast, um, uh, right afterwards, right after we download it. So uh, really appreciate you guys. Uh, join the club. Come to the conference. Make sure you subscribe to our Fight, Laugh, Feast uh, magazine. And I'm going to go out 
This is my brother's. This is my brother's song. Okay, start a fire. You got to check it out. It's on iTunes. Thank you guys for showing up. Out. <laughs>